Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. We're on part number six, as Janessa said. We're on the Church of Philadelphia. And as been our custom in this series, we're praying for a church that we have a relationship with or some kind of connection with. And I want to pray for my friend's church that's out in Boston. Uh, This is Pastor Derek and Stacy Fry. They pastor an incredible church in the Boston area. And when New York just recently opened back up, about three, maybe four weeks ago now, somewhere on that timeline, they just now have opened church services back up. So they've been literally closed for like 15 months. So they just started back into church. Uh, Some of you might remember Derek preached for us uh, online during COVID. So if you were tuning in during that time, Derek, he was supposed to come last year. And then this little pandemic thing interrupted that. Uh, But they're doing a great work there. Boston is another area that's hard to reach for Christ. And they're uh, just doing an amazing thing, not only with their church, but they've opened a Christian school, kindergarten through 12th grade, and it's uh, full enrollment, and so they're, they're, they're really doing some neat things. So we're going to pray for them, and then we're going to dive into our part number six. All right, everybody? You ready to learn something tonight? Yeah. All right. I, if you already know it all, that's great. So just uh, encourage a brother on. All right, everybody? That would be great. So, Father, we just lift up uh, Pastor Derek and Stacy. Uh, just so thrilled to be friends with them and see the amazing things that they are doing in Boston. And God, one of these days they're going to be here and ministering in person, uh, and I look forward to that day. But Father, as they're getting back on the track and as they're getting things going again, I pray that you just continue to give them your favor and give them your wisdom, protect their marriage, protect their home. I pray for all of their staff. They've got dozens of staff members. God, I pray that that you would encourage them, strengthen them, let them all have personal revival and firsthand revelation of you. I thank you for them. I thank you for the blessing that Derek is into my life, speaking into my life very many times over these last uh, 15 months. And uh, just pray your blessings on him. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to dive right into it today. Uh, we're on the Church of Philadelphia. We're on part number six. Uh, to me, this is the easiest one to preach. And next week is not the toughest one to preach, but it's the one uh, Laodicea, part number seven, I should say. Uh, part number seven is Laodicea. And woo, uh, you know, uh, it, it's going to be rough. How many already know that, right? They're the lukewarm church. And they really represent, when I gave you the prophetic timelines, Philadelphia represents the time in history when America or the globe really was having what we call the Great Awakening or the Great Revivals. Maybe you've studied the Charles Spurgeons and the uh, Charles Finney's and just those great, the first time in, in the world where huge stadiums were being filled and people were being healed and coming to Christ. Um, but the last day church, I really believe we're living in, and that's the Laodicean church that we'll talk about in part number seven. And the Laodicean church is the lukewarm church. And how many can tell that oftentimes, especially in America's culture, there's a form of godliness, right? Uh, but often it feels a little like a little lackluster, uh, not like the days of revival. But God always has a remnant. 
And when he comes back for his church, he's not coming back after a broken down church. Come on. He says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. Come on, everybody. He's not coming to save us from the world. He's coming to save the world from the church. Come on, all right? Uh, I don't even know why I said that. I don't think that makes theological sense, but it, it, it feels good to say, all right? But today is Philadelphia, and it's not the Philadelphia that Rocky, Rocky Balboa is from, okay? I just want to say, because when I was growing up and I heard them preaching on the Church of Philadelphia, I was like, yeah, I want that church. That's where Rocky's from, and I realized, no, that's not really it. Uh, but this is the church that they really get the compliment. They, they get the attention of Jesus from a good perspective. They're the church that's known for being faithful, which a number of churches have gotten that compliment, which tells us that Jesus is really into being faithful, right, everybody? He really notices faithfulness. But one of the other things uh, that you'll see in their compliment is that they're alive. And, and what makes that spectacular is that they're alive in a time that everything has come against them. Uh, I know that we globally have gone through some things in the last few months. Uh, they have gone through some incredible things, but they've kept their priorities right. They love God. They're the Church of Philadelphia. They love God. Um, how many think, you know, if, if we're going to call ourselves Christians and be a part of the church, that ought to be a prerequisite, right, everybody? Well, I love God. I mean, really love God, not verbally love God, but like really love God. And not only did they love God, but they demonstrated that love. And I think that's the thing that we got to kind of key into today. Um, I think uh, too much of our world right now, I don't know if it's been accelerated with the pandemic and everybody being closed in. I think, I think the invention of social media has given us uh, social media courage. How, how many know what I'm saying right? And, and, and some of you grew up in my generation where maybe everybody had an opinion, but we didn't hear about everybody's opinion. And it just feels like um, maybe it's not different. So I'm going to sound old when I say this. It might not be different. I think we just hear about it more, that the world just seems to be everybody's against everybody. And, and have you noticed social media becomes a great platform to tell everybody else why they should be better and what they're doing wrong. Has anybody else experienced this besides me? And, uh, and so too much of the world is telling us you need to be better and you need to change and you're not entitled to your opinion. I was cooking breakfast the other day and usually when I'm cooking breakfast, it's early in the morning and I'm doing my worship music is on. And uh, for, for whatever reason, I changed my routine up a little bit. I felt like, hey, I haven't really caught up on the news. So I turned on the news. I didn't really pay attention to what was on. I'm not sure if it was the Today Show or Good Morning America or something like that. So I'm cooking breakfast and, and the show's on. And, and, and they said, coming up next is an extreme makeover. And they showed this picture of this mama that was getting ready to get an extreme makeover. Now, I don't know where these kids dug this picture up of this mom, but it just wasn't fair. You know, I mean, she had no say-so. First of all, she, they showed her before picture, and the before picture is made to make you want to tune in to, like, what are they going to do with her? You know what I'm talking about? And, and so this poor lady, I don't think she's combed her hair in, like, I don't know, ever since she had kids, and she had seven kids. So she had seven kids. They had four pets. How many know life isn't fair to that mom, right? And, and so they were going to surprise her. The, the, she doesn't even know this is coming. She's trying to get seven kids ready for school. She's got, 
seven-month-old dried peanut butter and jelly on her gown, on her bathrobe, and her hair hasn't been combed. She's trying to get them fed, get their lunches out to them, and they knock on the door with cameras. Good morning. We're here for an extreme makeover. How many know that's the devil right there, right? I mean, that's just not even fair that they would do that. And so, of course, now I'm glued, man. I'm like, my bacon's burning. I'm like, what are they going to do with her? This is going to be great. And so they, they, put her, they do this thing. They have a portable studio, and they work on her for, like, hours. <laughs> you know, and it's like they push it all the way to the end of the program, right? So she gets all done, and they have her before picture, and she walks out. First of all, they got her in clothes that she could never afford and would not be practical with seven kids, right? Come on, mamas, where are you at, right? And, and, and they got her hair so beautiful that if she was ever to repeat that hairdo, she'd have to get up three hours earlier than she already does because nobody else is helping her get seven kids, did I say, ready. They got her in high heels that are like this, like, oh, that's real practical for making peanut butter and jelly. So they reveal her to her family, and here's your mom, and they're crying. Now, this is supposed to be a good thing, but I got a twisted mind, and I'm thinking, this is not right. Everybody's like, oh, and they're crying crying it's like oh mom you look nothing like yourself we love you you're beautiful I mean to me it's an insult right and it's just like it's just our culture we're always criticizing what is and who you are and if you don't agree with me it just seems like everybody's at odds it, it, and, and it's not just Republicans and Democrats and white skin and black skin and brown skin and rich and poor it's everything Every, the latest thing that I just see on social media is uh, the older generation criticizing the younger generation. Because nobody in the younger generation knows how to work. Now, how many know that's, first of all, a pretty broad blanket stereotype, right? Nobody in the younger generation knows how to work. And then the younger generation turns around and say, yeah, but the older generation, they don't even know how to use an iPhone. And, and it just starts in. An older generation is, well, you know, I just wish we'd get back to the good old days. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands who have ever said that. But there's been times or two I thought, well, I'd like to go back to the good old days until I start thinking about the good old days. Has anybody watched Little House on the Prairie? I don't want to go back to that. I, they got a bathtub that is a horse trough that they put in the middle of the living room and fill it up with water, mind you, and everybody takes a bath in the kitchen where we're going to eat. And if you're the youngest in the family, you know what you get for bath water, right? That's not good old days to me. And everybody takes a shot at everybody. No kidding. I'm not saying this for sympathy. I'm saying it for the absurdity of it. A few days ago... I happened to catch a thread on social media about me. And I thought, oh, they're going to talk about what a great message that was. But no, they didn't talk about the great message. They criticized the shirt I had on. And I thought, well, they're entitled. I mean, you know, I'm not really a burgundy guy either. Derek, thanks for the free shirt, but could we make it white or black? That's my color, all right? And, uh, and, and, and it wasn't so bad that they criticized the shirt I had on. What I was disturbed about was the thread and how many dozens of people thought that they were going to talk about yeah he wears too many shirts he has way too if he would spend more money helping the hurting that he does with shirts and I'm like really is that the world we've come to where it's just so easy 
to criticize so easily hiding behind a computer screen, right, everybody? I feel better. I've vented. I've got my therapy from you guys. Okay, I'm all better now, right? But, but the Church of Philadelphia, one of the things that I, is impactful about them is they had unity. They were watching out for one another. They were encouraging one another. They were the church, come on, of brotherly love. And if that's what gets Jesus' compliment, come on, everybody. Maybe that's something we ought to sit up and pay attention to, right? They have, they have unity. Um, um, uh, you know, we ought to just have unity. Quit looking for perfect people. There's no perfect people in here. I tell you every week I'm not perfect. So the fact that you keep coming means you must be okay with imperfect. Come on, everybody. And, and one of the things he said, I brought these two boards tonight. One of the things that Jesus compliments about the Church of Philadelphia is their unity. And it would just be nice I, I know expecting unity in the world, that's a little outrageous. I know expecting unity uh, in our community, ah, that could be a little outrageous. But is it too much to expect some unity in the local family of God? And if we do have unity, there are multiple arguments that could be made scripturally that God moves in great awareness and great revival when his people are in unity come on somebody anybody heard of acts chapter 2 in the day of pentecost when they were all together in one accord and so i got to thinking how could i demonstrate and so i just brought these two boards and and i'm sure many of you have worked with uh boards that are tongue and groove right everybody so here's your tongue and here's your groove and, and, and in a minute, I'm going to read a scripture that talks about unity. And one of the places in scripture, it says, when we all reach unity and we are tightly joined together. We're How many know that joining together is a whole lot different in strength than this joining together? You, you can put, I was going to bring four, I was going to have two just plain boards here. How many know, if you're going to break through that, there's, there's not really unity. There's togetherness in this. We can come together, but togetherness does not mean unity. Ah, come on now. We can come together, we can sing the same songs, and we can pray to the same God, and we can be together in a church service, but we have to battle together. We have to cry together uh, in order for us to be fitly formed together. We have to have a bigger battle than someone's shirt. Hello, somebody, right? And, and I was thinking about this. I was looking at these boards, and I thought, in order for us to be fitly joined together, watch this, one board has to become more and one board has to become less and i just got to thinking if the body of christ is going to have unity there's going to be some in the room and some that are watching on video that it's time that you become more it's time that you move past just being a consumer and become more and start exercising come on help me preach today and start exercising your spiritual gift, and you become more, not for yourself, but more for the body of Christ, so the body of Christ can have unity. And, and, and I hate to say this, but it has to, it's tongue and groove, everybody. That means some then have to become less to make room for those that are trying to become more. 
Some got to get off their high horse and their opinions. Come on now. None of you guys. I'm just preaching generally to the millions of people that are watching online. Okay? Some have to become less and some have to become more. I'll let you determine who, who that is, what, what God's saying to you. Some need to step up and some need to chill out. Some need to rise up. Arise and shine, for the light has come. And some need to just have a little more humility to make room for those that aren't perfect yet to be able to be used in the house of God so that we can have unity. And when we're tightly fit together, there is strength and there is no devil in hell that is going to push through the unity of tongue and groove. Fitly tight together. Can I get an amen in the house, right? And that's exactly what Jesus is complimenting about the church of Philadelphia. Let's look at it. Uh, Revelations, we're in the third chapter now, and verse number 7 through 13. He says, To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. We're going to talk about that. Remember, He's introduced himself to every church, right? One church, he's the double-edged sword. One church, he comes with fire in his eyes and bronze feet. One church, he, okay, he comes as the candlestick. But this church, the church that has no complaint, only a compliment, he comes as the key of David. And watch what it says. What he opens, th- this is going to become very interesting, I hope, to you. When we understand that he wants to come to his church with the key of David. You will fight for unity when you understand that he will give the key of David to those that will be fitly tied together. There will be no longer time to make issues out of trivial things because the unity is so important when you understand what the key of David is. What he opens, no man can shut, and what he shuts, no man can open. Okay, so here's Jesus' revelation of himself to this church. He's the key of David. So let me give you a better understanding with this verse in Isaiah chapter number 22. In Isaiah chapter number 22, he says this. Uh, I think that's in your notes if you're keeping notes electronically, but jot this down. I'm just going to splash it. I don't have time to really dive into it. But he says this, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, the key to the house of David, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Okay, let me just give you a little bit of history here, and then I'll let you dive into it on your own. King Hezekiah is uh, in power during the writing of Isaiah, okay? And so that's why Isaiah is using this language. So King Hezekiah, and he had a, a servant named Alekian, uh, Alekium, uh, no, with an N, Alekian. Uh, or let's just call him Mr. E, everybody, all right? I can't quite remember. And, and, and so no one is allowed into the king's presence unless Mr. E unlocks the door with this key of David. In other words, I can't get into the presence of the king unless this guy who holds the key opens the door. It's called the key of David. The key of David is symbolic, everyone, of Jesus saying, if I can trust you because of your unity, I come to you with the key of David. Now, it has two meanings. First of all, when Jesus died on the cross, uh, the veil was rent, which gives us access. He gives us the key through his shed blood, access into the presence of God. Right, everyone? That, That one's easy to see. 
But there's more to it than just that. He's also, for those that will strive for unity, that what, when you dive into this church of Philadelphia, what he's really saying to them, when you, because of your unity, I'm going to give you, I'm going to unlock opportunities that other people are missing out on. In other words, I'm going to open doors. I'm going to open opportunities. I'm going to open blessings. Come on, somebody. I'm going to open some things for you because you're fighting for unity in my family that a lot of other people that love God are not going to get the same opportunities because I don't come to them with the key of David. I had to come to them with a double-edged sword. I don't know about you, but I want the key of David. Right, everybody? I want some opportunities and some doors open that only Jesus can open and no man can shut. That ought to be a place for an amen. Your love, here's what, I'm paraphrasing for the time's sake. Your love, church, and your unity and your faithfulness has opened doors that no man can shut. I don't know about you, but I want some opportunities. Now, in the church of Philadelphia, one of the opportunities he's talking about to them, they're going through a very trying time. And really what's, being, what's happening here is in the trying times, he's saying to the church of Philadelphia that because you're in unity, you have an opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus. You have an opportunity while the world, come on, listen to me, 2021, while the world is fighting about everything, while Rome is fighting about everything, Philadelphia, while you have lost everything, you have an opportunity right now because of your unity, because of your faithfulness, because of your love towards one another, you have an open door to let the light of Christ shine. And people are hungry for the message that is happening in here. Don't let our message in here become tainted by what's going on out there. Let the message of unity reign in the house of God. Woo-wee! All right, so here is the, um, here's the compliment. I haven't even got to the compliment. So there's the revelation of Jesus, and here's the compliment. Um, he, he said, when, when, when you dive into the character traits of Philadelphia, I'm not going to really, really dive a lot into the compliments because I kind of want to go a different direction. Um, but basically the compliments, and you can read it, is faithfulness, love but not just love it's love in action it's it's brotherly love in other words i'm demonstrating that love we can say we love god but how many know if we love god it ought to be demonstrated in how we treat one another am i right okay let me say it another way and i know i'm being facetious but uh, uh, and sarcastic uh it's a spiritual gift of mine all right so we we love by sometimes we love by what we don't post Sometimes we love by what we don't say. Come on, everybody, right? Okay, so, so uh, it's, your, it's your faithfulness, it's your love, and your unity. Um, and here's the compliment, verse number 8. He says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you, there it is, an open door. The open door was to get to share the gospel because the world was seeing unity in their house when the whole community was going crazy. I have to say I'm a little disappointed, not in you, uh, not, uh, please don't take this, but globally I've seen a lot of church activity not look like we were in unity during this pandemic. Thank you, I <laughs> appreciate it. Somebody agrees with me in the house. The world already had enough fighting of their own. Were they seeing the same in the house of God? 
or were they seeing unity? Was there people in the house of God willing to swallow opinion for the bigger cost of unity so that God could open a door? The churches that stayed in unity are exploding post-pandemic because the world was seeing something in there that they couldn't get out there. All right, let's keep on going. I know that you have little strength. I want to talk about this phrase because it might not mean what you think it means. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Okay, so during this time in history, Philadelphia had experienced multiple earthquakes. If you read your history books, you'll find that. So there was multiple earthquakes, and Rome kept rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding, but it was causing a strain on the financial structure of Rome, particularly in Philadelphia, and, and, and so it was a financial disaster. Um, and so what he's saying here is while the world is being turned upside down, while your community is going through it, you've stayed faithful. You've stayed faithful in challenging times. Mm. Remember what he measures. He measures what? Faithfulness. He said you stayed faithful even when times were, were bad. And so I'm opening doors for you. Um, and, and the door here, it's very particular. It's the door of sharing the gospel. How many know during hard times, that's the greatest time to share the good news of Jesus, everybody, right? Come on, it's not the time to share our conspiracy theory. It's the time to share our hope. Man, I, I feel like, I feel sad up here. Nobody loves me tonight. Come on. I said it's not the time to share our opinion about how bad the governor, government, president is doing. It's the time while everybody's saying the same thing, not for us to sing off that same piece of music, but say in the midst of all this craziness that we agree with you, there is hope in Jesus. Right? Okay. So let me just ask you some questions. Please don't answer these, and I, I want to say I'm nice because I don't want them to come out the wrong way. But when is the last time you walked through the open door that God has presented for you? When is the last time uh, you shared your faith? Oh, that's too crazy. Okay, let me back off of that a little bit. When is the last time you just invited somebody to church with you? Um, it, it, uh, and I don't mean this the wrong way. I'm, uh, this is just coming to my m mind right now, and so I haven't practiced this in the mirror with a smile on my face. So give me a little grace. Please don't tell me that the message was, oh, I love the message. I don't want to hear that. Flattery is telling somebody else about it. Don't compliment me. Don't, go tell somebody else. I already know what I said. <laughs> go, go invite somebody else. When's the last time Christians just simply invited somebody to church? What open door has God opened? What opportunity has God opened that we still haven't walked through, but we're still praying for God to do something in our life? And God's going, I want to, but you won't walk through the door. Right? You, and, and watch this. I love this. Not you guys in the room. You guys are saints. It's all of you heathens watching online, all right? Okay, so he says this. Watch this. He says, uh, can I have my verse back real quick? I know I'm messing with you a little bit. He says, you have little strength. This is not you have little strength as in like you've become this weak, frail church. That is not what that's saying. What he's saying is you have little strength. He's saying you have little influence is a better interpretation. You, 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 uh, it, it's like saying you're not really that significant in the whole scope of Rome. You keep having earthquakes. You're a church that doesn't have any money. 
So you don't have any influence. So what he's saying here is, is church, in man's standards, you're not all that. You're not all that important. You don't have a lot of leverage. You don't have a lot of strength. Uh, but you've stayed faithful. Um, I love this because I believe God wants to give opportunities to those that might appear as though they don't have very much strength. That those that appear that they're not the superstars. One of the transitions I think is finally happening in the church of Jesus Christ, and the pandemic has helped, and this is one thing the pandemic has done good, is it started moving superstar ministers out of the way. I think the day of superstars in the church needed to die a long time ago. There's one star, his name is Jesus, and the guy on the platform is not the superstar. There are spiritual gifts all over the body of Christ, and it's time that all of them are used instead of one of them being used. Come on. That's what he's saying here. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm loving because there's, there's people rising up right now here at Radius. And, 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 and there's just people just, just doing things. And I know I brag on Valerie a lot, but I didn't have the vision for the Outreach Center. That wasn't my vision. My vision is to create a platform so that whatever God puts on your heart, this becomes the place that you can springboard the thing God's put on your heart. There's people still waiting for me to create a ministry that you can be involved in. I don't do it that way. That is not the way I operate. People come up to me, hey, when are we going to start? And I shrug my shoulders. I don't know. I just work here. I don't know. I don't know when we're going to start it. Maybe the reason you brought it up is because you're fired up about it, and that might mean God has deputized you to do it. So here's the platform. We will, we will do everything we can to make you successful. That building over there is because the second Sunday we were open, we put the spirit of generosity in a visitor's hand by the name of Valerie. And Valerie took that money and went out with her own time, her own finances, working 40 hours a week, and started reaching the down and outers I've never been I went one time and I didn't even I, I stood in the cold what do we do next oh my team isn't here yet so I went home I'm not leading it she's not depending on me to lead it she's leading it come on everybody if the pastor has to lead I am not that good oh I love when it's quiet sometimes I, I do I'm not that good. And I do, here, here's the philosophy, but I don't start ministry. I don't get up here and say, we got to start this. Because if I say we got to start it, then I got to talk somebody into leading it. And my talking into it, you might do it because you feel guilty. You might do it because, well, I kind of like my pastor and he'll make fun of me from the platform if I don't. But if God puts it on your heart, now it's between you and God. I don't have to motivate Valerie. I don't have to motivate Larry and Gene to come here on Saturday. And, I mean, talk about a thankless job. They mop the bathroom. I don't have to talk. Come on, you can do it. Yes, you can. You can do it. No, no. They're passionate about the body of Christ, right? They want to be fitly united together so that there are opportunities that happen that otherwise, come on, I'm preaching tonight. I know I'm doing better than what you look like I'm doing. Come on now. All right? So... <laughs> i just trying to get you fired up, Tony. All right, so watch this in Ephesians. Watch this, watch this. Give me Ephesians. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners you, uh, uh, and strangers. You, you're, you're no longer visitors around here. You're the body of Christ. 
You're citizens with God's people and also members of the household. (laughs) None of you are on the outside going, wow, I wonder what they're doing. No, you're in here. We gave you a $50 gift card tonight. You're one of us. All right? And and watch this. I love this. He says, you are built. uh, I need to teach this verse one day. You are built on the foundation of the apostles. What? You're built on the foundation of the teaching of this house. You're responding to the vision of the house. The, The vision of the house is the foundation for all that we're doing here. Okay, And the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, watch, here it comes, the whole building, there it is, is joined together. One translation says, fitly joined together. Let me take you one more place, Ephesians chapter number 4. So Christ himself, this is what we refer to as the five-fold ministry gifts. Everybody got that? Say it with me, five-fold ministry gifts. This is the fivefold. This is what Jesus gave as a gift to his church so that we would be fitly joined together. Okay? Here's what it says. He gave himself apostles. Apostles is a biblical word for fathers or those that start something. So in some circles, this sounds weird. Please don't ever call me this. But because I started Radius Church, that would fall under the spiritual gift of an apostle. Okay? Because it's the father of starting a church. Okay? I don't have time to teach that. One day I will. And he gave prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. There's the five gifts that Jesus gave. Okay? To equip his people. Notice. He didn't give those five to the church to do the work of the ministry. He gave those to the body of Christ to equip the body of Christ. Not to be spectators, but to be participators. Come on, I'm teaching tonight, guys. Are you with me? Uh, for the, so that the body of Christ, here it is again, may be built up. And again, depending on what translation, fitly joined together, one translation says. So, so I'm teaching tonight, and, and, and he gives ministry gifts, teaching, why? Just so we can hear another message? No, so that we will be tightly joined together because he wants to give the key of David to the church that is fitly joined together. He wants to give us opportunities, and so we got to become fitly joined together. Wow, this fires me up, all right? And uh, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, okay, uh, let's see, where do I want to go? Um, here's just some hypothetical questions, all right? Take these really easy and light. Let, let's see if I can do it real nice. So, just as a matter of discussion, when is the last time you've organized a ministry? Well, I'm not that important. I'm waiting for the pastor. Nope, we don't do that. When's the last time you just, oh, I got an idea. I think it's from God. Let me go see if I can do that. Now, there's going to be some really wacky ideas that we're going to say, ah, I don't think Jesus is in that. Let's re-pray about that, all right? Just to be fair, all right? But um, how about, um, hmm, when's the last time you saw a need, find a need, and fill it? Um... A guy recently in our church, one of our trustees, said, hey, pastor, I want to start coming in uh, any time between Monday and Friday, and I'm just going to be the chair straightener guy. Can I be the chair straightener guy? I kissed him. I said, yes, you can be the chair straightener guy. It's just I find a need, and I fill it. 
I think too many of us are looking for some spectacular, world, global changing thing. No, when we're faithful in little things. Um, somebody asked me the other day, and this is not a criticism, hey, I think we ought to have a foot washing ceremony. I said, well, that's a great idea, but I ain't doing that. Uh, because th- they walked with their feet in, th- in the Bible, and so their feet got dirty. So if you want to contextualize that, why don't we do a car wash? Matter of fact, why don't we do a free car wash? Matter of fact, why don't you get some hoses and get out there and wash some cars on a Saturday and don't you dare take $1 for it and show the love of Jesus Christ? Hey, there's an idea. Hey, how about Saturday nights? You know, Saturday nights haven't recovered really from the pandemic. If you came here before pandemic, this place was packed out. Well, how about, man, how about doing what they're doing out there every Saturday night? What if Saturday nights in the summertime was tailgating at radius? Come on, Tony, where's the tacos, Tony? Come on now. I mean, get the truck, get the tacos going, and just get your group of people. Come on, I'll feed you. I will bribe you into church, right? I'm just saying that the body of Christ has got to start being more than coming to hear a guy. Am I talking too loud? It sounds loud in here. Uh, You know most of the heroes in Scripture we probably wouldn't use. They probably wouldn't pass our background check. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? They, they probably, Moses, hey, let's interview Moses. Yeah, we need somebody. We need somebody in the parking lot. Moses, Moses, ooh, Moses, ooh, Moses. He murdered somebody. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's not good for our reputation. Now, let's pass on. How about David? Yeah, we need some more children's worker. How about David? David, he plays the harp. Kids love the harp. That'd be great. Dave, Dave, oh, David, a womanizer. Nah, we can't have him around the kids. Paul, now, we got to be able to use Paul because Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? Oh, Paul, he's a terrorist. No, we're not using Paul. I mean, you talk about criticizing a shirt. Paul's going to cut the shirt off of me. I mean, uh, we're not using it. How about John the Baptist? He was good enough for Jesus. No, not John the Baptist. He's just flat out weird. He eats grasshoppers and honeys. We're not using him, right? What if everybody that called themselves a Christian decided, I'm qualified? I'm going to give you a stat right now. I shouldn't do this. It'll be used against me, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Everything, we're four and a half years old. We're a debt-free church. We've given over $100,000 now away to other ministries as a pretty baby church. I'm going to give you a statistic that some of you will be surprised by. 20% of the people that call Radius their church financially contribute to what we're doing. I'm not even looking for 100%. I'm not looking even for a Red Sea opening. But what if, instead of 20%, what if we could just get it to, four? that's still below average. What if we could get it to 40%? What could we, look at what we're doing now. We got 112 pair of shoes over there. We got groceries coming out our ears and we got to have more. And we're renting more buildings and we're, and, 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 and even in the pandemic, we kept giving money to other ministries that were struggling. So imagine what could happen if we move from 20% Could we get the 30%? What could we do? Could we have more influence at 40? Obviously, we're not being like extravagant. Look at our place. It's wood, burnt wood. There's no crystal chandeliers in this building. But how much more influence could we have if everybody said, I'm going to become a contributor? Right, everybody? Come on, would you help a brother out on that one and say it? Amen. All right. I I thought I was going to preach faster tonight, but 
uh, yeah. Okay, so what open doors? I just want to give you these real quick. Um, three signs that the open door might not be from God. Because if we're not careful, we'll say, oh, God's opened the door for me. Be honest with me. Get, let's do a survey. How many of you had a friend that said, God's opened a door for me, and when they told you about it, you were going, hmm, I'm not sure if that's God. Anybody besides me? Come on, help me out, because I'm getting ready to destroy them. All right, so here we go. Three signs that an open door might not be from God, because I want you to pay attention to the open doors that are before you, because we can have confirmation bias and think everything's an open door. Satan pries some doors open, too. Okay, so, so let me just give them to you real quick. Number one is if pride is involved, it's probably not from God. If, if you're using God as a means to your end, well, God, you have to do it because in second hesitations it says, and, and, and you're using the scripture to hold Jesus up, and, and one scripture out of context to make him do, come on. But James 4 says God opposes the proud. So make sure it's not about you. Number two, which leads me to number two, is self. This is not an open door if it's all about you. Uh, Some people have come to me and they say, well, God's opened a door. And it's really not about God. It's about how they benefit. But the question is, how does God get glory out of that? Right? Uh, God had nothing to do with it. How is God being glorified? How, How is... I'm going to leave it right there. You, you, you get it. Um, I had a person in leadership not, not very many months ago that I had to correct because um, they, were, they were teaching, not maliciously, but they were teaching uh, on faith, and they made this statement. They said, uh, regarding someone going through a challenging time, they made this statement. My God would never, and then they filled in the blank according to what hard time that person was going through and I said hold on hold on no 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 (laughs) that's not what we teach here the rain comes on the just and the unjust Jesus said there's going to be tribulation oh but if you got enough faith you won't ever go through trial no 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 that is I don't even know I need faith until I'm going through a trial I said okay hold on I I don't want to get in a theological argument I'm just telling you if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna be in this house You have to follow the vision of the house. And I'm telling you, that's not what we're teaching people. Can I get anybody to agree with me on that? I said, I don't want to throw a bunch of scriptures up and argue with me. I'm not that kind of pastor. I don't like to get in theological debates because you'll bring your favorite verses and then I'll be strangling you and you'll be strangling me and they'll get pictures of it and put it on Facebook and it'll be a disaster. Okay, but I said, let's just interview some. You say, my God would never. And and I said, well, let's just interview Job. (laughs) Could you imagine Job saying, my God would never, <laughs> Job? I bet you Job never said that. Yeah. Huh? Uh, uh, well, h- how about Noah? Well, my God would never destroy the world. with what? J- Noah, what do you got to say about that, right? Hey, how about the disciples? Disciples, you're going to lose your lives preaching the joy of Jesus. Uh, my God would never allow, yes, he might. Huh? Anybody ever read the Fox Book of Martyrs? Come on, talk to them guys. Go get the book. It's all the people that have died in the name of Jesus and how they've been crucified and tortured. My God would never. No, I don't even know I need faith until I'm faced with those kind of things. Right, everybody? Okay, and then number three is fear. If fear is in it, uh, then it might not be, uh, well, let me back up. That's not the way I wanted to say that. Um, It might be a sign 
that it's not, sometimes people will say, well, if fear's in it, it can't be from God. I disagree with that. And I want to walk you through that. Because I think we do people an injustice when we say, if God's in it, there won't be any fear. Because then what happens is the moment they feel some fear, they abandon the vision because they've been sold that if God's in it, there's no fear. If there's not a little bit of fear, your vision isn't big enough. Because just about everything God's ever called me to do, if I'm being honest with you, there's some, there's some fear in there. Would anybody help me with that? Now, I know that doesn't sound like what we've been taught in Sunday school. I didn't say fear controls it. I didn't say fear drives it. But sometimes what God calls you to do, there's some fear. Hey, for the first time ever, I want you to give in the offering. Hey, I want you to move to Mount Vernon and start a church. Hey, I want you to share your faith with your neighbor. Oh, I don't know. There's always a little fear. I'm not saying, because when we tell people, if God's in it, there will be no fear, then the thing that God wants them to do, they're afraid to do because we told them there would be no fear. No, there might be fear, but this is where we have to have faith that is bigger than the fear. Faith is looking for the truth, and fear is looking for the lie, right? Okay, uh, okay, and then here, i got to close, I really do. Um, so here, I, I just, because the compliment is that they have unity, And so because they have unity, he's going to give them opportunity. But I want to make sure we're not hyper looking for opportunity. Don't seek opportunities. Seek God. And when you have open doors and opportunities, make sure pride and self and and know what to do with that fear factor in there. Is is everybody getting something out of that? Okay, let me close with this. Then he gives them a promise, and and I'll make these really fast. So give me that verse real quick. Here's the promises in verses number 9. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews. Remember we dealt with them? They're the people that look religious, but they're really from Satan. They're the people that even carry a Bible and, okay, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. Here's the promise. Here, here's the promise to the Church of Philadelphia. Um, he says, I will make them come and fall down at your feet. <laughs> I like that verbiage right there. <laughs> I just got to admit, I like that. All he's saying here is, is that the same people that are in the church, that are attacking the church from the inside, under the umbrella of religious speech, they're going to have their day. That's really what he's saying. Can I just end it right there? You guys get it? The truth will come out. Okay, I'll leave that there. Okay, let's go to the next verse, and I'll give you the, the second promise. He says, Since you have kept my commands to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. All he's talking about right here is he's, he's, uh, he's talking about the great tribulation. Uh, and, and I'm not going to get into all that, but he, he's just saying that, look, there's a day coming and where the church will be removed out of here. You think the world's bad now? Wait till the Christians aren't here. Okay? He said, I'll keep you from that hour of trial. And then verse number 12, here's the other promise. He says, uh, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of God. Ooh, I kind of like that. And then let me skip down here. And I will also write on them my name. Keep that up there just a minute. So here's the other promise. He says, I'll make you a pillar. A pillar in the work of God. A permanent fixture. Not just a permanent fixture, but an important fixture in the work of God. Everybody's looking for significance. 
He's saying, you work on unity and you'll be significant. Oh, man, come on, everybody. If you work on unity, you'll have significance. I'll open doors for you. You'll be a pillar. You'll be a permanent part of what I'm doing, a strong part, a structural part. Man, that's what I want. That's, that's when life matters. And then lastly, he says this. He says, I will write on them my new name. The best thing I got for you here is we're all getting tattoos. Thank you, Jesus. All right? <laughs> Uh, my daughter says, she says, I have both my kids' names under here, and it's all a story. And uh, Janessa will say sometimes, she said, Dad, I love it when I see you talking or preaching, and, and I can see my name, and you put it right there, and it's close to you. And if she gets a charge out of that, imagine when he puts his name on us, that that's mine. He belongs to me. Right, everybody? All right, I got to close there because you guys were a little slow listening tonight. But uh, will you receive that, everybody? I'm going to close right there. You get anything out of that? Okay. <laughs>